Sziasztok, Janó vagyok. Közép-Európa első világra szóló podcast csatornáját hallgatjátok Magyarországról. Ez a Budapest.fm. Hi, my name is Ray, and you're listening to the number one podcast station in Central Europe. Budapest.fm, podcasting to the world from Hungary. Ladies and gentlemen, lányok és fiúk, welcome back to episode two of Talking with Willie. We are here today once again with Bob Tomash. Hello. Super happy to be here. Back for part two. And we have along with us two of my very dear friends, my neighbors, and interesting Budapesti. I would say some of the most interesting Budapesti I've come across. And that is Therese and Nausicaa. So we can start with Nausicaa. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell the people in the audience something about yourself, where you're from, and who you are. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you now. So I am from Budapest. I spent most of my life in Budapest, except for the very beginning when I lived five years at the western part, Örség. Should I speak in Hungarian? Oh, uh, You can do both. I mean, we can sw- switch back and forth a, a little bit. It's a bilingual program. Bilingual oh. program. Két nyelvű program. Uh, so I went to university to Karol Gáspár Református Egyetem. Karol Gáspár Református Egyetem. Yes. And the, where, where is that, actually? There is one building at Calvin Square, <gasps> near to Calvin Square, uh-huh, like uh-huh, okay, in Ravitsky cool. Utca. I went there and also to Dózsa György út. Dózsa György, I love Dózsa György. One of my favorite Hungarian historical figures led a peasant rebellion in the early 16th century. Uh, lots of nice statues of him. You can see one down in the part right where the Erzsébet Bridge comes out into Buda, and then you get that little back view of the castle, emphatic Soviet-era statue of Doja Gyurgy holding some sort of mallet or hammer, and yeah, it's just it's delightful. Um, so yeah, thank you. For I learned from Doja Gyurgy, like from you, many things that I didn't know about him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope they were correct. I did my best. But he's, he's been someone that's actually captivated me because he has sort of this... Uh, view that's changed throughout history that there's a lot of Marxist ideology about his perspective and how he led the working class rebellion but then there's also some other I don't know you can go in any direction but I don't know it's it's that's where the school was was yeah. on the Doja Gyurgyu no but it, it, no Doja Gyurgyu is on the Pest side so oh, right, it's not right. not where the statue is it's uh, near Hoshoktere Hoshoktere yeah and today's where are you from Budapest Yes, yeah, so thank you. I'm very excited to be here and a little bit, you know, <laughs> this is the first time to speak, uh, yeah, over here. And uh, yeah, so I born in Budapest and uh, my whole family from from over here and um, uh, like especially from Buddha side. So, you know, your family is especially from the Buddha side. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so I was traveling a lot. I was uh, studying in uh, Mohalinaj Art University. So, well, that's how that's how actually uh, I met you today, because I met Nausika first, and she told me that she was doing this documentary film production with her roommate slash friend yeah. Therese. And then I met you one day on the stairs. We were walking up the stairs together. Yeah. And you were telling me, eventually I learned that you're making this great documentary film. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? What is the documentary about, actually? Yeah, so it's going to be about the millennial generation. So it's it's uh, mainly kind of about our age. And uh, so we are focusing on the... 
on the Balkan and the post-Soviet uh, region, like the V4 countries and the Balkans. And uh, so we want to um, see how these um, like things are going over there and uh, who they are and what they want to uh, do, where they are going uh, ahead and, and so on. And uh, so... Uh, we had this um, kind so you're, of. So you're, you're interested in the people that live in the Balkans and how they're yeah. this millennial generation. Actually, I have a question for you, Tom, uh, Bob Tomash, over sitting perpendicular or diagonal from me. Caddy corner, as we would say in Iowa. Caddy corner. Caddy corner. He, he, he is actually, uh, <clears throat> along with being from Iowa, very interested in the uh, documentary that we were making. I was telling him basically that we're looking at these people from the Balkans and they have all these transformative experiences uh, of being in millennials. So my question is, Tom a millennial? He's 26. Does that count as a millennial? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we, we were building, uh, we were, we built our own, um, like, um, yeah, kind of in inter. We tried to narrow it down. Yes. So officially, or I, I think most of the literature says that Millennials are from 82 until 95, 96, but we are trying to do it like uh, not not that a broad generation, so only 10 years, like from yeah. 85 to 95. Well, that's what attracted me to the project is this idea of thinking about things generally, generationally, especially, how do you say generationally in Hungarian, actually, Nausicaa? Generatius. Generatius. Yeah. I like those easy ones. So, well, actually, I don't because they can be even harder than the, than the Hungarian words. But either way, to think about things generationally is a very compelling concept, uh, especially yeah, in a time like this with the coronavirus. I don't really know if the older generation is very conscious about, you know, being millennial or being why, but I think there is an effort to be conscious about it. I mean, I can see the media like... Uh, an economist article or whatever, you can always see that there are, uh, why is Y generation so narcissistic? Or why are they so ruthless? Or why are they whatever? So you can always see that there are, there are, there is an effort to, to see them together and to, and to somehow identify with uh, the Y generation. And that is somehow also our aim, you know, to see the similarities. Uh, between us and the, and the Y generation or generation Y in the Balkans. And also, you know, to export it to the U.S., like to Iowa, and see what we all have in common. What we have in common yeah. as a generational As group. a generation, yeah. And is Hungary part of the Balkans? Would you say that Hungary no. is part of the Balkans? No. No, like we are, we are really, really out of this, this uh, Slavic circle around us, but... But yeah, I mean, we have common roots uh, in the sense of uh, traditions and uh, like instead of the language, we have everything commonly like or not everything, but I mean, uh, most of the things. So like if we are going back to this uh, shamanic area, uh, ages, uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. 100,000. Like yeah. So it's like they, they had uh, these two. And also, if you are thinking about the traditional clothes, it's like everywhere these roses and all the, the music is like very uh, similar um, around. It's like, you know, this very deeply sad, unsatisfied uh, lyrics and, and songs. Yeah, so, and uh, yeah, and one more additional thing. So we are um, looking for 
um, because you know all the generation has its own um, traumas traumas and uh, and and so on and we really want to see it how what is this in in uh, in Balkan and actually it's really uh, interesting because just re- yesterday I had a very interesting talk with a Serbian guy and uh, he was telling like yeah it was very um hard to um um, to be in the war and then the, this uh, this uh, 2000 uh, years in Serbia, you know, that that kind of uh, revolution. I mean, that revolution. The bulldozer revolution yes, with Slobodan Milosevic. Yes. One of my yeah. favorite revolutions. I yeah. just love the name bulldozer revolution. <laughs> I know I it, love it too. It often I mean, gets grouped name. in with the orange revolution in Ukraine and the rose revolution in Georgia in and 2003. And the velvet revolution. And the velvet revolution. But I love that bulldozer revolution. I mean, yeah. it's so Serbian as well. I just love it. They just yeah. toppled him on bulldozers. Yeah. So the uh, yeah, just one one sentence. So this guy was telling me like, um, yeah, we can think like it was very hard all of these wars and and all this uh, ethnical diversity and everything. How how we are trying to deal with our problems over here, but but our generation biggest trauma in Balkans too, this uh, transition time from the communist to the capitalism and all these things like. So he was telling the transition and all this, like everything is changing. This is our biggest trauma, and I, I felt something. It, it's something really, really close. I like that. That's that's really cool. And that Nausicaa, tell me about the name Nausicaa. Where is that from? Where does that uh, derive from? Nausicaa. It's from Greek mythology. Greek my, mythology. My mother is Greek, so she chose it. There. Uh, she was a princess. Nausicaa was a princess born from the sea. Uh, in wow. the Odyssey or Ulysses, you could read about uh-huh, her. Uh-huh. In the, I guess it was the ninth chapter, but I, I'm not sure of cool. that. In the Odyssey by Homer, she was yeah, she was in yeah. that. Wow, that's that's very compelling. That's a cool name to have. I mean, just to go out there and say I'm Nausicaa, I, I'm derived from a Greek princess, is a very nice carrot to have. To yeah, I had a tough childhood with them. But, really? But now I, I, it was I like childhood? it also. I'm actually, I'm very interested in childhood uh, in Hungary because that's something that I've been exposed to through probably the meshe and the folk tales and some of these things that I've seen peripherally. Like I watched the movie uh, Safi the other day and I'm starting, I watched uh, Lud- uh, Ludash Machi. Ludash what, were those, what were those animated films that you found on YouTube that were translated into English, old Hungarian? Well, they, they have the, 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 the meshe, the nep, the nep, uh, the, 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 the nep. Magyar nep meshek. That's much better than me. That's much better. That's like a different. What I just sang was like hardly recognizable from a, a Chinese soap opera, and that was the the beautiful, beautiful Magyar Nepmesh Nepmeshik. Magyar Nepmeshik. Magyar Nepmeshik. Perfect. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Igazából Tom és én tanár. Ugyanaz, 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 tanár, Tamesh and Orsi. Or if you go to the same uh, teacher, you know, ugyanahoz, a tanárhoz, járunk. Megyünk ugyanahoz, járunk. Járunk. Járunk, because you know, you go on a regular basis. Yeah. Like commuting to work. So how's that going for you, Tom, the Hungarian language instruction? Uh, it's it's super fun. I just need to uh, make it more of a daily thing, like smaller amounts of time daily rather than trying to do a huge amount of time doing my homework right before the lesson. But it's it's super fun. I like the challenge. Uh, 
How long have you been here, like in Hungary? It's about three years now. Three years now. It's, it's due time for me to speak more. So, and it's fun. It's it's fun. I, re I really enjoy speaking another language. It's fun to have to force yourself to work within a different structure of. Will you try to force yourself now? No, no? probably not. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, you know, just a little here and there. Where it I comes. don't want to be pushy. So. Oh, okay. We'll it. see. It'll happen. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I've, I've just started to get to the phase where I can talk a little bit more Hungarian, like subconsciously almost. I had an experience earlier today where I ordered a croissant and I just realized afterwards, like, wow, I'm actually not thinking about what I'm saying. And that was a very cool breakthrough. But language is something that's very integral to this project about the Balkans and to the region, forgetting about the project, but just the region as a whole is this idea of language. And I just want to hear your guys' thoughts on language or uh what you think linguistically the Balkans has to offer. A lot of differences, a lot of similarities. Like you mean with the Hungarian? Is, is Hungary linguistically... The, the Balkans are all tied together as a Slavic place, right? Yeah. So do you see mostly Slavic languages in the Balkans? Is that what you would say? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, but no, they are completely different. I mean, there are Slavic languages, there are similar languages like uh, Slovenian, uh, Croatian, uh, Serbian, uh, what else? Can be uh, um, around instead of Albanian, all of them, no? Even in... in, in I mean the ex-Yugoslavian uh, languages. Yeah. Just so Albanian is really, really far. Really, really far. Yeah, it is very different. And I think uh, what North Macedonia speaks, it's... It, 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 it will be also very different. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then that's what I wanted to ask you before, Nausicaa, was that Nausicaa, as you said, is a Greek name. Is Greece part of the Balkans? Would you say that Greece is part of the Balkans? Yeah, in a lot of sense, Greece is also part of the Balkans, and in a lot of, lot of sense, it isn't, as well as Hungary. So it is, you know, it. you can say it is part of it, but uh, but but you just don't. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting. It's, I always love this idea of different nationalities, and that's something that I love about Hungary is it's this giant uh, melting pot, and you have all sorts of different regions, particularly if you look at the pre-Trianon uh, map. Uh, before World War I, you see you have the Felbidek, uh, you have Vojvodina, Vojvodina, and where is Vojvodina? It's in Serbia, and this is an autonomous um, region uh -huh. in Serbia. It's, it's, a kind, it's a little bit similar uh, um, according to the rules uh, to uh, Kosovo. To Kosovo. Yeah, this kind of autonomic thing. Oh, wow. Meaning they're not a part of the Serbian government, or they, they, don't, they have their own kind yeah, of governmental they do structure. Have their own yeah, government here. Yeah, I think. Uh, Autonomy and the idea of like borderless uh, societies is something that's very interesting about the millennial generation because we've all traveled so much and we've existed in sort of this social system that is potentially a little bit apolitical, I would say, where we kind of just have this ideal of traveling and working in other places, especially with you guys living in this Erasmus European Union era of Hungary. And I know that you've both traveled a lot, right? Where else have you lived besides Hungary? Uh, either one of you can start. What does it mean to live? Have you have you lived somewhere on like a more permanent basis uh, outside of Hungary's borders? Yeah, I mean, I've been in Erasmus uh, with Erasmus program in abroad. It was in uh, Tel Aviv and also in uh, Aarhus in Denmark. 
and I was living in, in Germany for a longer time, but... Tel Aviv, Israel, Aarhus in Denmark, and you also were living in Germany? Yeah, and, other, yeah, and I was traveling. Uh, so you've had a little bit of a nomadic existence. Yeah. That's pretty still. cool. <laughs> and what about you, Nausicaa? Where are some of the places that you've lived? Well, for, for a longer period, I only lived in uh, Croatia, in, in Sabudria, and, uh, and I spent uh, a lot of time in Italy and in Greece, of course, but that's mostly like... Uh, like what part of Greece? Your, fa- your family comes from the north of Greece, you said? Yeah, they come from the north, but, uh, you know, in 42, uh, my grandparents came to Hungary. In 1942? Yes. And, uh, and when they uh, went back in Epirus, this is the part of uh, Greece where they came from, uh, their, you know, their lands were bombed down, so they had nothing left there, so most of them... Uh, moved to Athens or Thessaloniki. Oh wow! And then they came. Part of your family came to Hungary. Yeah, no. Part of my family uh, st- stayed. So stayed never, in never went back, or or went back, but uh, decided to rather stay in Hungary. Oh wow, that's cool. I'm very intrigued by this generational question, especially when it relates to like nomadicism. And uh, I feel like we've all probably benefited from this idea of open borders and traveling. Uh, is that something that's been challenging about this coronavirus situation to not be able to travel? <laughs> yeah, we had to, as I, I guess, like uh, most of us. So we had to like replan everything from scratch, basically. You know. I, By the way, if you guys can hear that growling, that's our, our fifth guest of the podcast. His name is Momo, and he's a beautiful half white, half black. Uh, little dog. I think he's a mix between a few breeds, right? Yeah, she's a Border Collie Jack Russell. Did I just say he? I apologize. A Border Collie Jack Russell. Yeah. That's and uh, she also have identity problems, so she can be a he sometimes. Yeah. So she also <laughs> sort of represents the, the nomadic millennial generation of, of uh, Border yeah. Collie uh, And we can be Jack grateful Russell's. for the virus because, uh, because she came before, well, like uh, in May or June. June. Yeah. Uh huh. Nice. Yeah. I would have uh, gone to America, to the Midwest. I, uh, so before the virus, you wanted to go to the Midwest of America? Yeah, just on the, I think, the 12th of March would have been my... Oh, wow. <laughs> my was it for the documentary? Yeah. For the documentary or for yeah. another? No, that, that's, that, that was another... I had other reasons for that. So mm-hmm. that was cancelled. And then we decided on uh, doing the Balkan thing. But yeah, so back to your question, what? Was it? To be honest with you, I uh, <laughs> you I, I lost my track of thought when we were talking yeah, about yeah the travel restrictions that we we couldn't right, really right. travel yeah for a few months we couldn't really travel and so we replanned everything and started the millennial project yeah. in the summer like more seriously after I came back from Portugal <laughs> after she came back where were you from in Portugal, Portugal? I want to yeah. hear about Tom's been to Portugal also I love Portugal no I love Portugal yeah yeah, yeah, yeah me yeah. too yeah it's it's I mean I've been just there just one time but it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Where were you? Uh, firstly, I've been uh, in the uh, island of Faro. Mm-hmm. This is the most southest, southest point. Uh, and then I went to Porto to visit some friends. And then, then oh, all right, we had cool. the half of the team over there. <laughs> yeah, right. Half of, the, half of the documentary team lives in Porto. Uh, the, yeah. the, the co-director with you, it's a co-directed mm-hmm. project, correct? That's cool. Yeah. Cool. I, I love Faro's down in the Algarve, and I love the Algarve. That's a, a yeah. beautiful place of the world. Lots of amazing rock formations and 
beautiful beaches and Sagres on the coast is wonderful. I mean, the whole strip down uh, through Lagos and Faro and all those places is really remarkable. Yeah, and also there was not, uh, you know, all these people from around the world. So they, 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 there were just really the people from from the villages, and it was so. Oh, cool! So you traveled cool. there in it the post-COVID so in the post-COVID world. You went to. Portugal. I mean, it was in this summer, so yeah, right, right, it right. was between the first wave or the second wave. I don't know how to count this anymore. <laughs> yeah, now <laughs> we're on the, the This is the third, the third right? one, yeah, or I don't know. The third in Hungary. Or yeah, yeah. So it was between between of those two. Cool. And that, what was that interesting traveling? You mentioned traveling in a post-COVID environment. There's a lot less people. Because I remember when I went to the Algarve, for example, in Portugal, and that was 2000 and I don't know, I want to say 17. And it was beautiful. I loved it. Tremendous time. One thing that I would say, though, was it was just choked and suffocated with tourists. And I think that's something maybe, I don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't want this situation because this is terrible for everyone, especially from a business yeah. level. But when we look back towards the post-COVID world, maybe finding a, a middle ground between the two. Well, I, I found Budapest just lovely. I mean, I so loved it in April. It was so nice to walk on the street and uh, and see nobody. And, you know, the Danube was blue, actually blue, not that brown. The sky, you could see the sky. And, uh, and All right. They have that song, the Cake Duna, and it's uh, it's never actually blue. I Usually I thought it was Zolt. I think it's more like green. Yeah, it's greenish, brownish most of the time. Yeah, and now there's no boats down. It used to get all these European river cruises, and I mean that's something. That's I like that fact. <laughs> you like you like that there's no boats. Yeah, I mean boats are okay, but but so many of them always. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound so pessimistic about that. But what do you, do you guys think? The Hungarian mentality is a bit pessimistic. Would you say that compared to what? <laughs> like generally. Generally. I think yeah. You think yeah. What about you, Nausicaa? I think so. There is something in it. I think, yeah, I think uh, there is a Hungarian, a bit pessimistic mentality. It, it is also cynicism. Or, uh, cynicism? Yeah, yeah. yeah always, cynicism. Yeah. I've always tried to, yeah, more refer to it as being critical or cynical than being necessarily pessimistic. Yeah, Hello, but we, 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 we always see some the, the bad side also. So yeah, we make fun of it, but, but you know, you have to highlight it. Yeah. yeah you know, it, it, if you're Hungarian, <laughs> you, you do that, I think. Well, Hungarians always tell me that they're pessimistic. Like That's one of the favorite things that Hungarians always say, oh, we're much more pessimistic than you. I mean, I choose to view it sort of as realistic in some ways. And I think in, in some weird ways, it's almost has an edge of optimism or at least nihilism to it like during the coronavirus pandemic specifically people have been a little bit more just like oh what the fuck are you gonna do you know this is yeah. get on with your life it's gonna be maybe a little bit shit either way so we might as well just make the best of it and that's something that's very attractive to me because mm. or do you do you I, disagree with that? i heard i heard a quote at work once that tried to describe the difference between american and hungarian mentality with people specifically when working with them and it was saying that if you think of a trust bucket everyone has a trust bucket which is like how much trust they have for the people that come to them and the things the ideas that come to them the americans just to put everyone in a box this isn't completely accurate start with the, everyone's trust bucket is full so you come, you hear an idea, and you immediately trust it and you're excited about it and you want to go forward and you know you're supportive 
on the other hand, the Hungarian trust bucket starts empty, and you need to work to fill it. So that's not going. That's the cynicism. So it's not necessarily pessimistic. It's uh-huh. maybe more realistic, and it needs more proof for you know support. The trust buckets, but. Uh-huh. I don't even necessarily trust who I heard this from, but I liked this way of looking at the situation. Yeah, I like this way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously. I mean, it sounds nice. It's, I don't know, compelling. Yeah. Everyone is uh, an individual, of course, and you can get a given uh, Hungarian that's so optimistic, he thinks he's going to the moon tomorrow or something, yeah. and then you can get American that is just, like, cursing his luck every day of the week. I know a few of them. Uh, but... As a generality, I guess there maybe is something to be said about the Hungarian mentality. Do you think that's a, that's a consequence of history? I mean, our history was like really hard, and we all the time did like, you know, not uh, putting our energies together but separated. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's or maybe it uh, it our history was like this because we were like pessimistic so maybe it's the way around i don't know but i i really feel something like this but personally i have friends who doesn't have this because i don't love uh, i don't like the pessimistic people so i have this girl and some others and some guys who are not uh, about this yeah <laughs> you know but that that's also to go deeper with the hungarian personality for a moment um or potentially the next hour, who knows? But like when you read about these stories, as I was last week about Copan and, and Istvan and this idea of this mm-hmm. pagan past, you and love then, this. I, well, I love it also because you can see it manifest through the Hungarian like rave culture. Like Copan <laughs> yeah, uh, was just this like pagan guy with multiple wives who was like doing. I mean, obviously, we know that maybe he was actually a Byzantine Christian and w- worked within the system just as much as Istvan. Maybe he didn't even exist. But for example, in like the artistic displays of him in like Istvan Akirai rock opera you see that there's this sort of rave pagan mentality and I can see that in festivals like a Zora festival or just the whole Hungarian ideal of enjoying life and just it's sort of weird right between this pessimism you also have like a real joy of life and a real like love of partying and celebrating yeah you know there is a saying in Hungarian that a magyar sírva mulat yeah a magyar sírva mulat you know what does it mean no so you you have fun crying. Ah. So you you do the party, but you're crying meanwhile <laughs> for some reason. I like that. I think we are really we really like to complain. Uh huh. And I think this is this is something really Hungarian. But I don't know because now I started to have a, a very little experience uh, with Balkan and uh, the people from there, and they are really like open-minded and when I write to someone hey I got your contact from someone else so can we have a talk like yeah sure when and when uh, and it it was not uh, in Hungary too so I also asked some of uh, some friend of mine but not so close but more far it, it was like mm, yeah and from over there, yeah, let's do this for sure. We are very happy. <laughs> and they were like, you know, and sometimes I don't understand it. So I think yeah. it can be something but that's like also, between us. So to just offer a counterpoint, I, I agree with you that there certainly is. I, I enjoy looking at things sort of stereotypically, even though it can obviously lead to some negative uh things and when people take stereotypes and they use them in a negative sense but just from a literary perspective grouping people into these different categories there's something interesting about it for me but then again there's also something to be said for 
going in somewhere as an outsider. Because as an outsider, I happen to experience many of the most amazing things about the Hungarian personality because there's sort of this ideal of you welcoming someone as a guest or the same for you if you go to the Balkans or somewhere else. Um, yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> What's that? Szomszéd mindig a fívum szóltat? Szomszéd füvem mindig zöldöbb. I don't really know why you said that. Mit jelent? The grass of the neighbor is, is, the, is greener, is always greener. The grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's greenest of all in Iowa. Always. Mindig. Always. Uh, everybody else's is yard it? looks brown Tell to me. Tell us about Iowa. <laughs> Sorry, just for... Nausicaa's very excited about your state, by the way. About Iowa? Yeah, you were going to... Where in the Midwest were you headed? Well, Iowa, for instance. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah. She loves corn. Just I love, corn. yeah, and pigs. Or, and pigs. Yeah, yeah. Cucurita we got them by the bunches. <laughs> why, why were you going to the Midwest? I wanted to see, you know, Midwestern white working class people, mostly from the rural uh, parts of, for instance, Iowa. Huh? What was your? Did you have a plan, or were you just going to go walk around and knock on people's doors and just say, hey, "Mostly what's up? that, yeah," and you know, go to bars or pubs or uh, diners. Ah. Diners. I wanted to go to diners, meet yeah. people, talk to them, and you know. Well, when this trip ends up happening, you need to go to Kenny's Garage <laughs> in Waukee, Iowa. That's where I grew up. That's my hometown bar. It's amazing. It's a garage, and it's run by a guy named Kenny. <laughs> and there's a pool Great. table and jukebox, and there's live music on Thursdays. It's everything you want from a Midwestern bar. I will definitely do so. <laughs> You've got to go. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I was great. What do you drink when you go to Kenny's? Jim Beam and Bud Light. Jim Beam and Bud Light. <laughs> that's what the taste, the bad taste of beer. Yeah, Bud Light like sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, when you go to America, you just kind of change your your taste buds. Change like when you cross the border, it's just a, like a little transition that you have to go through. The beer's very different. The Palenque is whiskey. Yeah, or Palenque moonshine. Moonshine. Okay. Yeah, and there's not nearly as much, not nearly enough moonshine compared to what it's like here. Do you guys like Palenque? Yeah, I mean, only in the morning. Yeah, sure, definitely. <laughs> palenka. Yeah. What do you guys like to try some? Mm. We have a nice curte homemade from my yeah, friend we, uh, Whiskey Barlang. Definitely try it. My friend is his name is Whiskey Barlang Janosch because he's his name is Janosch and he has a whiskey cave. Barlang means cave. Barlang. Uh-huh. Whiskey Barlang Janosch. And he's from, yeah, he's, he's, he's from Komarom, and he made this uh, palanca oh, for okay. me, him and his father. Um, Thank you. And I've tried it. Thank I you, found Ryan. it to be phenomenal. I'm excited to see what you guys think. Oh, you've already had it. Well, you can see there's, you know, at least three shots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I'm part of the bridge monster has struck. So we like to, Willie and I used to live together, and, um, you know, late night. I would just hear rustling in the kitchen, and, and it was. I would say that the fridge monster had arrived because <laughs> Willie would be rummaging through the fridge. Alexa calls me the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think that is that thing. You know, you do that. Uh, open the fridge and just, just yeah, go go through it. And do you guys have a favorite midnight snack? Is there anything that you would eat if you woke up in the middle of the night? Hoo ha. 
Anything I can find? Yeah, <laughs> it depends on <laughs> what there is at home. Because, you know, now when uh, shops are closed after seven, it's really tricky to get something from them. Because I loved the, uh, those uh, middle night uh, shops. All right. Well, wow. That's you, we can sip it. Or here's to your besagetash. Yo barat. Yo baratak. Yo ui barat. Whiskey barlang Janos. Whiskey barlang Janos. Baratok. Yo ui barat. Egeshegetekra. You actually do that. That's the uh, the patented willy swirl. It's good because I, I like that they put the, the whole fruits in there, the curte. But That's what do you guys think? I, I can get carried away. If you smell it afterwards, you can actually smell the, the fruit. So never before, but after. It's, it's actually good. very good. Yeah, not not that sharp, actually. That's the one thing yeah, that's... Cool. I it can be painful. And then at the end, yeah, you kind of have the whiff of fruit just coming out the alcohol. But that's very, very good. Yeah, I was uh, delighted to receive it right off the bat. Yano, she goes, Willie, Mizu, and then he just hands me a bottle of palenka. Okay, we're best friends. Thank you. Uh, but him and his dad handmade this in uh, Comorum. I always find that the handmade palenka is uh, more often better, right? Yeah, Hazi palenka is yeah. always the best. Hazi palenka. I've always been fascinated with the kind of why palenka, why it's so prevalent. Do any of your family, I guess you grew up in, in Buddha, so not necessarily no. yeah, we in didn't agricultural, have this kind of but things. did your family have any kind of no, agricultural background? Not. Not, not an extended family or anything? No, no. Okay. Everyone is from the city mostly. Okay. Like, yeah, they used to do uh, in, in, in Greece. But uh, but no palinka. Mm-hmm. That's actually something that I love is the sort of moonshine culture in every country because everyone has their own. I mean, yeah. in America, we have moonshine. <laughs> moonshine Here, obviously, palinka. Somewhere like uh, the Balkans, they have a lot of rakia or yeah. raki. Um, yeah, it's nice. I like experimenting with the different ways to try to kill yourself by drinking. And what did what the, what did they do in uh, Greece? Yeah, I I am thinking of the name. Okay, it's it's palinka. It's very similar to palinka. It's but it's not palinka. not that. It's what is really warm? What? What is warm? Like so warm? There there was a a drink. What was I don't know. A warm Greek person drink. That, yeah. Uzo. Uzo. Uzo is warm. not Uzo. Yeah. Uzo tastes bad, but if you drink it with. <laughs> <laughs> with, like a, with a lot of ice and some water and uh, with the small fishes, you know, baked, then then it tastes great. So or next to fish. coffee, it's nice as well, right? Yeah, with coffee maybe. Jaya. It's made of mm-hmm. jaya, which is, I have no idea. The Greeks, you guys have so much. You have so many different cool drinks and artists. I guess when you're such an old society. Is that something you find that's prevalent in Greek society, this idea that we're like the cradle of Western civilization? I don't see that. Like, uh, I... You, you can feel it in a way, I think, but I am also an outsider in uh-huh. a way there, so I, you know, I see in it. I mean, when I talk to people, I somehow imagine that, yeah, yeah, you are much older than me, yeah, like in, in spirit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and do you like this idea of mythology in Greece? Is that something attractive to you in your own identity? It is, it is. Is it prevalent? Also, also being Greek, like half Greek, it is very important to me. I mean, uh, I never lived there. I spent like uh, most of my summers 
when I was a child there, but I never lived there for a longer period. I was also planning to, afterwards, America, <laughs> I was planning to move to Greece, and I still plan to sometime. Oh, that's great. Where in Greece? In the north where your family's from or down south by the islands? Uh, haven't decided yet. First, uh, to, to the north. I, uh, I really want to go around the place where, where, you know, where my family came from. I really nice. want to explore that. It's, it, it really became very important to me, you know, my, to my identity, to my... That, uh, that. So, yeah, I find Greece very important to me, but also the islands. I want to see the <laughs> islands. I, and I, I want to live on an island. And you Greeks are spoiled for choice. Just to even say I want to live on an island. I mean, I guess it's open to all of us. We could all retire to Greek islands. That sounds not too bad. We could all <laughs> transplant to Greece. This is actually coming back to what we talked about this the last episode. It's like kind of similarities between Iowa and Hungary that are weird. This idea of transplanting is really common in Iowa because it's a relatively cheap place to live. There's a good public school system and it's very safe. So a lot of people move there to live like, you know, a middle class, nice life and raise a family. And as far as I can tell, there's a lot of transplanting that goes on here. It sounds like your family transplanted from Greece to Hungary at one point, and there's a lot of other people that have found their way to Hungary. I think the origins of the country in general was basically just people transplanting here and calling it the land of the Magyars. Mm-hmm. What um, what was it like for your family? Like, were you welcomed in as you know Greek immigrants? Uh, you obviously don't know, but maybe you have some insight. Yeah, it was very very well organized then. I mean, uh, there was a revolution in Greek, uh, Greece then. And so my grandparents, uh, the village where they used to live and, and all the land where they used to live, they, they were bombing it, the fascists. Mm-hmm. And so they had, to, they had to escape or flee. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, they started walking. But uh, they, I don't know who exactly, but many countries worked together to help them, to help... Uh, have all, all these refugees, and so Hungary took in, I don't know how many, but but many children. Mm-hmm. So they, they were organizing trains and buses and everything to take uh, to collect children together, families together, and take them to safe places. Mm-hmm. And that's how they got to Budapest. And they were welcome, and, uh, and the children got their own school. They could learn uh, Greek in Greek, and also they could learn Hungarian. So, so I think that was a very good time in in Hungarian history mm-hmm. that they were actually welcoming, compared to you know like twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Also, that's that's an interesting analogy that you make between the Greek refugee crisis of nineteen forty two or nineteen <coughs> and then to the Syrian refugee crisis of today. Because uh, you know it is, uh, I think it is important to to make that and. Uh, because I, I don't think that Hungary... I think Hungary is welcoming. Yeah. And I think we can manage it. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, the Hungarian mentality, and that's something that sort of ties this whole region together, I think, is this idea of welcoming visitors in some respects, at least on the positive side of things. You have, like, the dichotomy between the very non-welcoming people, but if you look back <laughs> in the culture, there's a lot of tradition of welcoming travelers. Maybe it goes back to nomadic step horse lords yeah on the other hand you can also understand the fear why why we fear because uh, you know hungary has been has been 
uh, invaded invaded yeah so many times yeah it's easy to sit so, there in like the western european capitals and say oh welcome all the stuff when you have natural borders that make the process a little bit easier but hungary does have quite stark lessons in the past particularly like 150 years of ottoman domination and things of that nature you can see why being this chunk of meat in the center of europe that's overlapped with a lot of different empires you can be a little bit more cautious Yeah, and you, you you also try to you know save everything for yourself. Uh-huh. I, I think after a while, but I, I really don't know. But I think that uh, this is why the message can resonate. Right. That's cool. And so, what is your what is your role in the documentary? Unf- uh, unfortunately, Teresa has just gone to the bathroom, but I am curious what your um, yeah what you're doing with the. I am doing the background research, mm-hmm. mostly on millennials and, uh, and you know the psychological patterns that we were talking about, like narcissism, borderline, whatever, and uh, and on the Balkan region really helps. Used to help me with that, and and uh, script writing mm-hmm. mostly. Mm-hmm. Nasik is a researcher, which I, I find to be a very interesting uh, or something that I think people would be interested in is what what is the day in the life of a researcher. <laughs> how how is my day? Well, yeah, yeah. you know, I see you in the park. I research a lot, so I I sort of feel like I know how it works. But I'm curious as to like how your research habits are. Like, I see you in the park. You tell me that you've been working since three in the morning, burning the midnight candle, and uh, I'm just wondering what are, what's the process? What are you doing in those uh, long sessions of research? Well, I read a lot, so I I I read the literature, like uh, recent research. Uh, to to know where to begin, I also well social media is uh, is a very good source. I All right, you told me that you're very interested in researching propaganda techniques, correct? Yeah, it is correct. That yes. is super cool. I just found out like yeah, a few years back that propaganda is something that is that that really interests me uh-huh. deeply, and I actually don't just want to you know research it and understand it. I I I, I really want the opportunity to to, <laughs> to to once you know try myself in it as a propagandist <laughs> yeah you know mass communication is a very very interesting thing uh, for me and and i i think i think uh, i really want to give it a try once. you mean you want to give it a try to produce propaganda or yes oh, okay cool you know yeah it would be nice mm-hmm. yeah. i just have to find the cause mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in a sense, that's what, like I feel like I'm a propagandist for myself sometimes, yeah. or maybe not sometimes, maybe all the time. But that's sort of an, uh, inevitable when you're in this world of creative production. I suppose you end up being your own propagandist, fueled on by things like social media. Propaganda is a what, word. Yeah, what is the difference between propaganda and just traditional making of content that, like, for example, you do or anybody does when they post on social media? Like, what makes propaganda? Well, propaganda, first of all, in my impression of it, sometimes has a negative connotation because it gets tied back a lot, this root word, to like 1930s European fascism with Mussolini yeah. and Hitler and things. And it's like uh, Joseph Goebbels was a propagandist, for instance. So it has this negative connotation. But maybe... Um, the the word itself if you look at it it just means what what does propaganda even mean it is uh, you know it, it is uh, sharing and uh, and uh, information to to everyone so it it comes from a Christ, christian uh, tradition so propaganda oh. used to mean that you go and spread the word and uh-huh. make them understand uh-huh. 
and uh, you know have them think the way you do. And how? So, what separates propaganda from evangelism then? Is that, that to me that what you just described is evangelism in my mind? Yeah, let's, uh, and and you are right. I think uh, that's that's basically it. So mm-hmm. so 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 you build a mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's there is long term propaganda, there is short term propaganda. So well, in the short cool. term, you want to you want to get people to do something right away or change their mind right away. Long term propaganda, you know, helps you uh, or not helps you, but you know, makes you makes you understand what's the style now. So if you are for instance, a businessman or whoever, you watch the movies and you, you you just know how your flat should look like. You just know <laughs> how you should spend your days, and, uh, and 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 so so there are many types of uh, propaganda. Uh-huh. It is and not just one thing, and it is not just that pe- pejorative thing. Uh-huh. It can be also you know what Greenpeace tries to do to you know call your attention to yeah and. It also has uh, a dictionary definition, which I've just learned. The first definition, capitalized, propaganda capitalized, capital P. A congregation of the Roman Curia having jurisdiction over missionary territories and related institutions. So it goes all the way back Mm -hmm. to ancient Rome. Um, And the Curia, I'm not exactly sure who the Curia were, but the Curia... They had the propaganda, and that's quite cool thinking about their jurisdiction over missionary territories and related institutions, particularly because Budapest was one of those missionary territories where the propaganda would have had influence all the way back in the days of Hadrian and uh, Marcus Aurelius, who wrote his stoic meditations on the banks of the Danube. Um, And propaganda has had its role in society since the ancient times. And yeah, think, you know, to spread the word, to keep uh, society together, to to have the common common line of thought. So a common line of thought. That's interesting. And you're also a linguist, right? No, I mean, I I, I learned uh, linguistics, but I am not a linguist. Okay, well, that's that's good that you have a careful appreciation for the meaning of language, and you knew to correct me there, because I think that's a very linguistic mindset uh, <laughs> that. Yeah, uh, but you're quite interested in, in words and the and the origin of them. Would you say? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's super cool. But I, I'm I'm a bit more interested in the present uh, state of the language. So uh, yeah, okay. history of the words. It's it is very interesting and uh, and and yeah, it is exciting and yeah, it has significance. But you know, the change that you witness actually in your life, it is also very interesting and it is also part of the propaganda. You know, like words. Uh that you use and they they start to fill in your everyday life and you don't even realize like let's say fake news how long has it been that you actually mm-hmm. use that expression yeah it's uh, it, it, it didn't start when you were five it, it started uh, a few years ago mm-hmm. actually I, I i read about that it's it, it was starting uh, the the war when when it was uh, in ukraine like 15 it was connecting with that but I think all this uh, thing in propaganda and everything, I started to be really interested because of Nausicaa. And all these, like the, the, the words and the linguistic part, like we were, we had a lot of talks during uh, Corona, like, 
you know, a lot of new words are coming because because of because of this uh, situation, and we had we had something yeah. to like write on now, our board. Now everybody is waiting for the vaccine in Hungary. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> we used to call it oltás. Yes, everyone knew. I think it, it was you know part of the passive. Uh, vocabulary that you knew that it is vaccina, it is called vaccina, but no, no one told that you you went to get your oltash, and today no one is waiting for their oltash, yeah. the corona oltash, everyone but is waiting for, for the vaccina. Yeah, but also pandemia, no? Pandemia. Like I never use like pandemia. Okay, it was not pandemia before, but uh-huh. uh, yeah. epidemic. Epi- I mean, epidemic was the biggest word I I, I ever used, but pandemic. But, it's yeah. Epidem- yeah, epidemic, I just know it from Lars, from the three-year, the serial, but yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, just, to, just to read the second, because we're still talking about propaganda, to read the second definition, the one that is maybe more broad, which I also just found out, is it's, so the second definition is the spreading of ideas, information, or rumor for the purpose of helping or injuring an institution. A cause or a person so it's like super duper broad clearly and uh it just makes me think that just you guys are already propaganda creating propaganda if you're creating a documentary it is yeah i mean if you are like let's say there is a camera and if you are uh, going to shoot this picture not that one you are kind of making uh, your own reality and and um, and after this you are making you uh, you know something what what you see and you want to show and then it, it can be a pro- propaganda but um but this film i think it's 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 more about uh, i really like this definition about normality what we what we were speaking about like every generation has its own normality and the the, the other generation let's say the older generation say we are not normal and this is not normal what we are doing but this is actually really normal how we are like reacting to the world but surrounding yeah us. it just doesn't fit in the norms yes it, yeah well that's interesting uh when we think back to the start of our conversation we were talking a lot about the differences and similarities of certain nationalities but now we think about things from a generational point of view potentially even though uh, all four of us are from different countries. I mean, two of us are from America, but even different states, and two of us are from Hungary, different family backgrounds. But regardless, we all have a tether to this idea that we're all millennials. So it's cool to look at uh, connections and societal interactions as like this balance between, I think, generational and differences and similarities versus national and pan-national and ultra-super-hyper-national differences and similarities. What's always hard for me with this, because when we started talking about millennials and everything, I've always been challenged by this idea of generations and your idea of normalization. And this also brought it up for me is like when, when, so we are going to be the ones that think the generation Y is not normal at some point. Like when is that point where we are the ones who are saying the people acting now are being not normal? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's just a rolling. It's gonna roll. The window's gonna roll, and we're gonna be on the side where we're saying, "Hey, the ne- we, about the next, generation? yeah, about the previous generation, uh, like the ones pe- previous generation. about the ones who come were younger than us, the younger we're generation. younger than us. I think we There's already that started one. that. Right. Yeah. So it, I guess it's <laughs> we're just old enough to happening. say that the, that the generation Z is 
Come on. Yeah, okay. like, oh, really they, really nice. yeah, they don't know how to read okay, books. Okay. They don't know how to write normally. Okay. And so on. We are so grandmother okay. from their point of view. They're TikTokers. Yeah. But maybe, maybe they're super... I mean, we might be dealing with like five-year-olds who are hyper-smart computer programmers already, and we don't even know about it. And they've already like launched off into super space and controlled the whole economy. What do you guys yeah, think about that? Yeah, but that's like three generations from now. Three generations from now? The kids are going to be in charge? Might as well let them have edit. I mean, the way that uh, it's going sometimes, you might think, well, let the get, kids get involved. They might have some innocent solutions. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not willing to to I'm not willing to die in that hill. I'm not willing to die in that hill. I love it. I love it. Let's have a shot. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's have another one. It's a good way to fill uh, that air time. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's, I really haven't, haven't ever thought about that before. I didn't either until last week. But uh, it's 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 nice actually because this is a delicious palinka. Thank you again. It is. To, uh, Thank you. Our good buddy, whiskey barlang Janos. Whiskey barlang Janos. We are propagating whiskey barlang <laughs> yes. Janos. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This is a big propaganda. Go and see whiskey barlang yeah. Janos. I mean, he deserves it because the guy is just has a heart of gold. A heart of gold. I really really like him a lot. Okay. Like, let's say if I can be at home uh, before eight. Yes, to be home before, before eight. eight. Yeah, before eight. And if not, another shot of palenka should. Egeshegetekra. His actual name is no Whiskey one. Cave Room on Instagram. I think it's Whiskey underscore Cave underscore Room. But I call him Whiskey Balang Janos uh, because I just think it, it flows really well. Yeah, sure. Do you think people will find him by that name? I don't think they need me to find him, to be honest. He's all over the place. Whiskey Balang okay. Janos is, <laughs> is his own best propagandist. I'm just like chipping in with a little bit of a <laughs> cheers here and there. I'm, I'm curious what kind of... Uh, Would you be going, I'm just coming back to the Midwest thing because I can't get over the, Nausicaa's going to be in Iowa. Are you going to be collecting, are you going to just be collecting information there? Or, I mean, if if you went. Collecting Uh, perspectives. Okay. And is this kind of a fuel for you to understand and educate your desire to eventually propagandize, like to just to figure out how people think and how best to spread I, I, I really want to see their perspective, you know? So now, uh, okay. So these are the people that they say, I mean, yeah, no, not, not that they say, the numbers say that these are the people who in 2016 uh, decided the election. Mm-hmm. So they were the, those, the swing voters who, who, who aren't really Republicans, who aren't really Democrats, who are, you know, who vote based on mostly issues. And uh, I, I, I really want to see how they decided to, what convinced them. You know, I, now I, I, I think I have an understanding on, on that, but I really didn't have the opportunity to talk to them. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I read so much. I listened to so many of them, but but I I never had the opportunity to ask them personally what what you personally think. Mm-hmm. And now I can see that uh, the views of them are very nuanced and very personal. So I really want to meet them one by one and uh, and and hear it one by one. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. And so how does this, I guess this is also what you're doing with this documentary that you're making now. And so we've already learned what you're doing now, Sika, with the documentary. And what is your role, Therese, with the uh, documentary? I mean, what are, you, what are you doing? What's your title? What's your role with this documentary project? Uh, with the Balkan topic? Yeah. Because yeah. in the other one, I'm just a cheer girl. <laughs> there's, there's multiple documentaries going on. But I'm a very oh. big fan. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I segued unknowingly. She's the but. director. Okay. The, yeah, so I will direct it with a with Portuguese guy. And the, um, I think, um, yeah, we started it by... Uh, you know, with the very big hearts, we are going to make a movement in Balkan. So I'm writing to everyone in the Balkan to make interviews. So basically now I'm making the interviews, making a website, uh, trying to figure out. But yeah, we are trying to um, uh, share these um, these tri- uh, things between between us. So Today's also now is basically a- everything, everyone is doing everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that I was going to say is that you're also like the artistic uh, fuel behind the project in terms of visuals and aesthetics, because you're also what an animator and a painter and just a general design yeah, wizard. Like a polyhistor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What's so, a polyhistor? Uh, who poly? can do everything? A polymath. <laughs> is it a Hungarian word? Polyhistor. Poly- no, polyhistor. Like poly is uh, that actually comes from Greek. From Greek. Poly yeah. is yeah. like multiple. Uh-huh. And. Uh, well, history, I don't know, polyhistor. Because I know the term polymath. A polymath, polymath yeah. it's about who can... Da Vinci, Da Vinci was da a polymath. Oh, we, we, we call him like polyhistor. Okay, so it's okay. the same. There we go, the there linguistics. Go. Okay, so yeah. Thank you. So, okay. and then it's going to be uh, a next challenge to to make the visually, visual of the film. You know, it's uh, what can... Um, called the millennials like we, we really want to do the film for for them so it's very so we don't want to make a movie just you know like some with some interviews and like following some people to the kitchen and then to the street and so on we, we really want to um um get to know what what's that really good uh, visual but what's, uh, what's catching them uh-huh. And so will you be talking to the, so you're interviewing a lot of people from the Balkans about all these subjects, but it sounds like you're more talking to the millennials as an entire generation, not just you're trying to show that there's similarity just within the, the generation, or are you talking to the Balkan millennials specifically? Yeah, um, when we started this, uh, we had this idea, like all the all the books and articles and and so on uh, about the millennials. It's coming from America, and I think uh, we, we we think that um, it's it's more depending on geographic. I mean, if we say like um, the Americans millennials' biggest trauma is nine eleven. I mean, we heard about that and we had something to do with that, but, but I think if you are going to Serbia, it's much more about the bulldozer revolution, was their trauma exact, kind of exactly from the same time, because it was in 2000. So, 
So it's uh, and so we have other things, and also we have this common past, the Soviet Union. You had other things over there, so mm-hmm. we really try to um, to understand. I think it's a contextualization. What, yeah. as, as, the, what you would just hit upon is the contextualization of uh, the millennial development in the Balkan context, I would say. Okay. And they have some individual historical patterns. And as well, what I was very intrigued with what Therese was saying before is this idea of the new media and using something visually interesting and aesthetically uh, interesting for this generation because we really have the attention spans of goldfish. Like, we're, we're so uh, just stimulated this place that place this place that place and it really is like going down to the nanosecond and we actually test our ideas on you like could could we really pay attention for that no okay let's drop it (laughs) yeah willie the goldfish oh great (laughs) but that's a good there's always my dream to be a goldfish so is that is that willie's only role so far he's just just the guinea pig goldfish or willie what are you no well let's see what I would say that the, my role now, as I see it, is the propagandist. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just yeah, 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 you are the propagandist. <laughs> He's making our social media. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, and and he will be our host on on in in the social media. Yeah, I, I've just really started. I did a, a six-block social media post for the first time. There's nobody following it, but it's why am I here? Dot world. And there is just six Follow block now. Now. posts of <laughs> uh, a guy from Bulgaria talking about his time. Like people you. often forget Bulgaria, <laughs> similar to Greece, but it's very Balkan in the sense that it is a post-Soviet place. Because one of the interesting things about this hour-long interview that I listened to, that Therese conducted with this Bulgarian guy, was he was talking um, about the border between Greece and and Bulgaria, which you never think about. During the Soviet times, you think about Berlin Wall, but the Bulgarian-Greek border was a, a, a extension of the Berlin Wall because a lot of citizens in the GDR and the Eastern Bloc, they would try to get to the paradisical wonderlands of the Greek coast via Bulgaria. And you can even see there's this big canyon that's carved out and a really deep river valley uh, where you had to cross it. And you can imagine the people that were willing to risk their lives back then. But either way, yeah, that was what I posted about. And I posted about Indiana Jones because I think the guy was an archaeologist and he fell in love with a Ukrainian girl in Portugal. It's a very interesting conversation, actually. But Therese is going through a sequential series of conversations from around the Balkans, whether it's uh, Bulgaria, former Yugoslavia, even Hungary, because Hungary sort of this Balkans extended. As we said, it's not really part of the Balkan region. But if you look at the Hungarian borderlands, like Voj- Vojvodina or Vajdašag, uh, that certainly Balkan. And even if you look down in Croatia, there's a huge history of Hungary in that region. So again, the contextualization of all of that is is incredibly mm-hmm. intriguing. Mm-hmm. And I, I love kind of what you were touching on, Teresa. That it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, and Willie, you highlighted that it's. And what I was asking is that it's not just for the Balkans, not just for the the subjects of this documentary. It's it's about contextualizing for the whole millennial generation. Yeah, yeah. that would be the ultimate uh-huh. goal. This is the propaganda yeah. that's being created. That <laughs> wow, that's just... crazy. We're all propaganda. Well, it's interesting that the propaganda, the first definition was something from Rome because their propaganda is timeless. We're even following it today. That's crazy, right? Like we're still using all of their words. I mean, I think when they, we started to be in groups, like at least with three people, then started the propaganda, no? 
Yeah, yeah I think so. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, and now it's much more easier because right. we have media and, and so on. But, but anyway, it's... The mess is much bigger. Yeah, so yeah. You, those cave drives. You need those instruments. Yeah. 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 So we need to be very loud about the, our project. No, I'm kidding. But, yeah. but in general, that is interesting to think about. Do people have to be loud nowadays? Because I think there yes. is something to be said for like a more minimalist approach and something that uh, I certainly struggle with because I, I think I, I, I propagandize myself quite a bit. But either way, I'm still very intrigued and attracted to minimalist uh, advertising and stuff that's a little bit more, I don't know, has an air of secrecy and allure to it. I mean, isn't like, so, I mean, I think the epitome of success in, for people who aren't like Disney and Marvel and these people who have huge money, who can propagandize on insane levels, I mean, virality is the, and that is, I mean, depending on your interpretation of minimal, it's sort of minimal because it's, you've made it interesting enough for somebody that they want to share it again. And it's like. So you create the propaganda and it lives by itself. Like it has to spread by its own fodder. It has to spread by its own... Oh, yeah, but you, you should have like multiple starting points. So not uh -huh. just one type uh, liked by one person who shares it over, but, but, but another type also uh -huh. with another type of person, with another with type of circle, with a different message that still resonates uh -huh. with yours. So I think it is, yeah, it is that Whoa. complex, more complex. Than yeah, that. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I didn't, that's very cool. Yeah, so the, the different groups and the different starting points have different messages that all tie to the same context, which is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Cool. Do you guys feel like the Roman history of Budapest is something that you are interested in? The idea that Budapest used to be a Roman colony? Yeah. It never... I, I, honestly, it doesn't really... You know, it, I don't really feel that. You don't think about it too much? <laughs> Not really. I mean, you know, we live close to Aquincum and uh, we know some stuff of Budapest is from those times. Right. But I don't really feel any Roman... Mm -hmm. Yet, you feel that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I spent quite a bit of time amongst the Roman ruins out there, and like, I was very interested in Roman history specifically. Uh, but I can eat. I, I, that being said, I, I can see, like, in the Hungarian, most Hungarian people would agree with Nausicaa that there's not really too much of a Roman uh, past because you don't see it passed down in the same way you do in Italy, of course, and even places like France, which was Gaul, and even Germany. I don't know. Hungary was really a borderland, uh, which is interesting going back to that definition of propaganda. It said specifically that propaganda was used in these border territories to sort of preach the gospel of Rome abroad. And so many things happened since then, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we, we had to suffer through so many propaganda and we had right. to you know conform so many times and uh, so 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 that was the sword i and think but now sika say it's really really true because i just started to feel it uh, during these interviews like the last strongest thing is the thing what you experience and your nation experience so i can really think about the roman empire because because uh, you think of because like we have now this what we have yeah and 
Turkish and Slavic and and and, and whatever. So yeah. so many things and right. so yeah. many right. people, so many tribes since then. Yeah. yeah, it's true. But there still is a cultural appreciation if you go out to Aquincum, you can see some nice ruins and even the idea that the bathhouses, the Romans, they just celebrated and loved. The baths. Do you guys love the baths? Do you love the? Yes, I yes. Love, that's I something love. I'm so grateful. <laughs> and I really rest. hope they are going to open very well, soon. It was supposed to be March fifth, uh, like just around March fifteenth, uh, middle of March. They said, but now I don't know because they're shutting down everything else. So I can't imagine the baths. Controversial to go there during the Corona times. I went. Um, we went. We went. Oh, I went yeah. too with my mother. Yeah, but yeah. If you had to, uh, you know. Give one the blue ribbon or the you know the number one the gold star, you know what's the best bathhouse in Budapest? I think it is Galer, like in in objective terms, but my favorite is Kirai. Yeah. Okay. My Vantu. Well done. That's good. Four points for Kirai. Four, four out four of four. Points. Four out of four. <laughs> okay, four points. I'm, I'm I'm glad that you said that. And you know they say that Kirai is Zarva Zarva and not Nemchaka Zarva. Minden Yojfudu most. Zarva, yeah. Yeah. de Kirai, uh, Zarva, Zarva, is <laughs> Nemtedom de Najon Najon, uh, oh. Hogy uh, érted, hogy Nemtedom csak Ovastam, azt hiszem. Ovastam? Igen, de milyen? Nem, 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 milyen? Mert, mert, utána csináltak Jógyfrdú Nitva, Bathhouse Open, és utána Lukács Nitka. Gelet nitva, Seicheni nitva, mutnyar. De most Kirai nem nitva, és azt hiszem, azt mondtak Kirai zarva zarva. Yeah, maybe, maybe they don't wanna open anymore because I, 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 I was reading something like that too. So I think zarva zarva is that is not going to be an opening anymore. You mean that? Oh, you guys are trying to figure out what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> zarva, Zarva, and Willy it's Hungarian. Really like it's really like it's no closed forever. Like zarva, oh, Zarva, God. so yeah, that's shut down. never open again. I think that's something that I just made up. <laughs> zarva, Zarva, he said it's closed forever. Yeah. Does it? That's what I heard. That's what I heard. I'm very oh, excited. I thought this no. was coming from a legitimate source that Kirai's dead. But I heard it. It's a source. Okay, then. I heard it. It's a source. Where's the source in that sentence? There was an article Sorry. about it. There was an article about it. From right. some guy named Tamash. Some sort of article. We'll, we'll look into it. Okay, it might we'll have look into it. <laughs> okay. I, I just don't want to believe okay. that. Okay. okay. Well, I hope not. But I, I won't. If, if it's I true, won't. I want to mobilize just some people to think about. I don't know, petitioning to not shut down a 16th century monument to the art of bathing. And Definitely not. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Four, four for four. Kirai. <laughs> on this podcast, four for four. Kirai is Kirai. What does Kirai mean, by the way? Kirai what? is king. 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 Oh, cool. So it has a meaning of a Kirai, the king, and also cool, like... Kirai. Yeah, yeah, we have uh-huh. the slang. That's true. Kira is like you say if it's something really cool. Menu is also cool. Yeah, 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 it is. yeah like it is. menu is in the same level uh-huh. as Kirai. And then asta is like wow. Asta. Asta. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mut <laughs> uh, or Last week I made my own translations with my teacher for the first time because usually I got this guy Cornell that does it for me. And he does a great job with the translations, but last week I just wanted to try it. And so I learned a lot actually doing that, like with Orshi, our wonderful teacher. She was listening to me say the English transcripted version 
Uh, so I typed out all the, the, the words in English. And then I would say, oh, I think that most vagyok komoromon, vagy komoromban, ish most or she Google Docs on Google Docs, or she would then write in like the correct way. By the end, we had to rush a lot more, but it was a very interesting process that it taught me the word hasta. Was, wow, because I'm just saying these like weird things all the time, like wow or super. Or I learn actually a lot about English because I start every sentence with and and but, and it's terrible. What are you going to do? I'm getting carried away. Try yeah, to but do it's it. okay, you know. It's a linguist actually say that. Starting the sentence with but and end, it's, it is okay. You know, you are thinking while you are speaking, so ah. you, you don't have to say always meaningful words. You, <laughs> you will have to say sometimes a but, a then, a while, I think. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, you have to fill your sentences with that and you give yourself time to think about what you are going to say. Wow. So that's not a problem. You can say and and but okay, at, the cool. end, at the beginning of the sentence, I think. And you've just propagandized uh, <laughs> li linguists as the arbiters of the language that you guys get to make all the rules. I think that's very important because I think linguists, you know, just know better. Like, <laughs> they, they, you know, if a linguist is okay with you starting a sentence with but, then, you know, why would anyone else uh, tell you not to? Uh-huh, that's well. true. I like Why that. would anyone else? Why should anyone else? Why people should? Still, yeah, people still should. They would, simply could. shouldn't because you know the experts say that that it is okay and it actually helps you to to uh -huh. to make the sentence that you will. Linguistics is an in interesting study actually because it really brings in a whole lot of different fields like philosophy, logic, history, social sciences, things that you would even think about. Uh, linguistics has a very diverse application. I think there's a lot of famous linguists. Right? Is it, what's a, who's a famous linguist? Give us a give us a famous linguist. I would say Nadozhdi Adam, mm -hmm. who is also you know he, he uh, a poet. What's mm -hmm. his name? Nadozhdi Adam. Nadozhdi Adam. He has very good poems also, and he's a very good linguist. I mean, you know, I don't know him personally. He's alive, so he's. he's you guys ever hear of the cunning linguists? Cunning. The cunning linguists. It's a, it's a rap group in America, and it's like a play on words on Cunna Okay, okay yeah. <laughs> I thought you were trying to catch me there. <laughs> I don't know this rap group. Are they good? I think it's in America. Now I'm saying everything's in America. Like the other day I made an episode about Istvan Akirai rock opera, which... You, you, so you saw that? I saw all three versions. I saw 1984. I saw 2003 in Cheek Shomyo. Yeah. I saw yeah. 2008 with Feke Paul. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were all tremendous. I mean, I loved it. I really loved it. I'm a big Copan guy. And the you should see Not Legenda. Not Legenda. Not yeah. Legenda. Yeah, it, it it was a show of Alaminépi együttes with the music made by Nikola Parov, and uh, yeah, that is uh, yeah music nice. from the from East, from Hungary, from the Balkans. You know, mixed together. Oh, wow. It is really a very good musical experience, and also the dancers, like the dance show, it is uh, it is based on like folk folk dancing, but but you know, it's a very good show. Yeah, you you really should listen to it. The life of Naplegenda. Naplegenda. Yeah. Cool. I'm very interested in this Hungarian cultural history as well. It's it's really cool just to see all the layers. I mean, Ishvan Akirai, which is so so cool to learn about. And I love the. There's two Jula's. There's two guys named Jula. There's Dayak Bill Jula who plays the Kaltosh. <laughs> Hobo. Uh, the Hobo Bill's bland. He's got. He's this one-legged guy. He lost his leg when he was 11 years old. 
and he became the leading blues singer in Hungary, and he has the voice like a rock god, like it just, I mean a blues god. Excuse me, of course. Please. You should listen to Fekete Jenő if you yeah. want to listen to Fekete blues Jenő. music in reklama. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no, sorry, I have a good friend. He's Fekete Jenő. He's you know an older guy, but he 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 used to be a blues star in Hungary, cool. and he really plays a good blues music. So as Americans, I think you will you will. Check it out. <laughs> I will write down. What was his Fekete? name? Fekete Janu. Janu. Fekete you Janu. have very good, uh, no? How to say it? I can just Pro. intimidate people really well. I can. I couldn't do it if, you ju- if she didn't just okay. say it. But, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the other Jula was Vicky Dahl's Jula. Who plays yeah. Died, yeah. Oh yeah. So there's yeah. two Jules. There's Deak Bill and there's Vicky Dahl. And I want to know from you two, Therese, you can start. Which one? Vicky Dahl or Deak Bill? Who do you choose? Um, this is not really my. Um, <laughs> But if you had to bring one of them with like uh, on a team of yours that you were playing some competition and you wanted to win the competition, I have to. <laughs> What have kind to of competition? Because you know, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, if it's running, be swimming. Be, I know. I'm not swimming. Swimming. Correct. No, it's not. It's, okay. it's, if no, it's no, a no, swimming Willie, competition, Willie's. I would uh, choose. Uh, Vicky <laughs> swimming competition you would choose Vicky Dahl because he's like a gigant Nordic god yeah. Uh, yeah. Hungarian guy that plays Copan uh, but if it was a singing competition that's probably the better question because they're both singers they both have great voices but if you could just choose one voice Vicky Dahl or Dirk Biljula about a night out of the town at the karaoke bar At Kenny's garage, who do you bring with you? <laughs> That's a much better question. I like that a lot. So, night out at the bar, Kenny's garage, Bud Light, karaoke Jim night. Bean. Okay, I don't know because I just uh, I just heard Vicky Dial in this in this um, project, so I don't know anyway how he's doing. Cool with with this job, so I could um, yeah. I, I did, okay, no, so, so no, no visit to the karaoke bar then. Just, that's what we call in, in America. We have a term called the filibuster, and okay. it's in the Senate. <laughs> and you basically, I mean, this is a real rule, believe it or not, in American politics, is that yeah. when the senators they want to uh, stall on a debate, basically, and not have anything get voted for, they can do a filibuster where they literally just talk and talk and talk. That's and the talk. impediment of it. That's the that, that's the origination. Back in we're talking early 20th century. Now you don't even have to talk. You just have to say I'm going to filibuster. Yeah. And that means you need 60 votes to pass a bill instead of 50. And to get a 60 vote majority in the American Senate is very difficult. So the filibuster, anyway, Therese just filibustered. Nice move. Nice move. And Tough, question. For, for, <laughs> Tough for, question. For you, Dehak Bill or Vicky Daljula? In Kenny's garage. In Kenny's garage, karaoke oh. night Thursdays. I I think I would take uh, the Agbil Jula. The Agbil. Maybe you know uh, you know I I think he's like singing and talking at the same time. So that's mm-hmm. uh, that's the style we need there cool. in Kenny's garage. That's the style. Yeah, that's the style people are asking for in Kenny's, especially okay. after all that Jim Beam. Yeah, yeah, and I think he he would be good. With Jim Beam. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we could talk and sing just above a Jim Beam. Actually, I was thinking about this the other day. Jim Beam, Jack Daniels, 
your name, Tom Bean, could be a good whiskey. That could be a great whiskey. Can we talk to... Uh, Let's do a Hungarian whiskey from you, are they? Whiskey Balang Janos, Tom Bean. Whiskey Balang Janos. But, okay, you, you now have to, like, admit that Whiskey Balang Janos is not the name that you are looking for. So you want the next it round? It is so yeah. hard to memorize. <laughs> no, whiskey Balang Janos. So, no, 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 that's not true. I saw someone the Balang other day. Whiskey Believe it or not, I saw someone out in the day out in the day the other day and they told me oh I love Whiskey Barlang Janos they remember we're having a farewell shot thank you to Whiskey Barlang Janos thank you to Whiskey Barlang Janos I don't know if you want a full one no 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 a farewell shot so to wrap this conversation up after we take our shot I just want you guys to think about the future and after our shot, we will go from there and then probably about 10 minutes left of conversation. Of so the future. The next only time, future. 10 minutes left of the future. What would you do? Yeah. Wow. You only have 10 minutes. But 10 minutes, remember, it could oh, be an ever-expanding amount of time. You never know. We're talking about relativity here. Einstein. Here's the, the red shift. Here's the Einstein. Here's to the Einstein. universe expanding and eventually dying in a cold mess. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Wow, we finished the bottle. That's great. Oh, my God. Here is Kenny's Garage. I will be passing it around just for everyone to fully conceptualize the future and what is the beauty of wow. Kenny's Garage. Maybe you, should, maybe you should take Fekate and to Kenny's Garage. No? I really do want to. I mean, you know, I, I, I have this... So, like with Fakatana Iano, the last album that we you will see, a solo album of Fakatana, <laughs> it's a very good album, and very the best musicians of uh, Hungary are playing on it. But it's what it's so authentic. And I've oh, been uh, working with him. Kenny's garage. <laughs> this place looks great. Yanu Fakatana would fit right in there. I think so. Have you ever seen Fakatana? No. But he would, anyways. But I can just tell. Yenu is an interesting name. Is that like a, a name? Yenu. You, I wanted to ask you if you knew that yeah. Yula used to mean. I don't remember if it was the religious or the military uh, leader. <laughs> I think it was the military leader yeah. in Hungary. It was. Jula, you know? I'm calling, as you, as you say that, I'm calling Kenny's garage to see if we can get them on the line. Oh but the Jula, the Jula was the military leader in Transylvania. Yeah, thank you. In Erde. Okay. And I think that's why you see a lot of towns out there named like Jula Fehervar. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's the this is the dial tone that you're everyone's hearing. This is Willie typing in. If number. you want to know the number for Kenny's garage, is it Kenny's garage? The, yeah, they are closed now. Maybe the phone will work. Oh, that's I just called them in Hungary with a plus three six. The Americans <laughs> is uh, slightly different. Thanks, whiskey. Barlan. Barlan Janos. There we go. I needed to start. <laughs> But you know, this is the best. It's stuff. really, really good. Yeah. You should eat this. Because full of uh, with palinka, these things are. Oh, can be really the kerte, the pears. We can eat, have that for breakfast tomorrow. A little kerte oh, yeah. pear. Is that a <laughs> this saying? is the Hungarian. Is this a Hungarian saying that palinka chokregel bon? Or just chokregel? Chokregel. Like you said earlier. From what time? Just, just in the. Oh, regeli. Regga, regga. Yeah. No, it no, was it, was a, it was a joke. Like, okay. You know, but yeah, you, you drink a palinka in the morning, so uh-huh. 
you know, your blood pressure goes up and mm-hmm. better than coffee. Through the roof, right? It lifts the spirits. Right, we'll because, you know, it's one more a ring. joke because we are really an alcoholic nation. Oh, so okay, this right, is like, right, right. She yeah. thought, and like, you, you know, when you breath. do physical work or whatever and it is cold outside, you just drink a palinka and yeah. that helps. It improves the circulation. <laughs> I hear it's the best yeah. defense against the virus. Everyone says that Hungary is an alcoholic nation. Is that true? All the Balkan is alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, they say so but I've, about I've, themselves. And I, I think, like, you know, everyone is... Who's yeah. not? That's what nation thing. is yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, not notoriously not question. alcoholic? Well, that's the thing, is that every nation has a big drinking problem. I mean, I've lived in I many mean, sides. Australia. Yeah, and also that is a generational problem. And also this is the first generation that explicitly talks about it. You know, when you admit that, okay, fuck it, I am an alcoholic and I'm 30 years old. What about Genghis Khan and the boys drinking fermented mare's milk out in the 12th century (laughs) Mongolian steppelands? They were were just (laughs) blind drunk every day of the week. But I don't think they, ma- uh, they, they you know, uh, they didn't mind. So it wasn't diagnosed but, as neuroses. Know, nowadays <laughs> you have like certain rules to conform to. And uh-huh. now you, and, and not just the rules, it's also, you know, the, the feel of it. So yeah. you actually mind that you are an alcoholist, huh. if, if you are. Do you think that's a, a good change? Or do you think it's better to have a bunch of Genghis Khans running around, their heads falling off from fermented mares? I don't know. I mean, it depends. I think it really depends on the age and it, it really depends on you. And I don't think that alcoholism it would be necessary, like in today's society. Well, that's an interesting I mean, it, it shouldn't yeah. be because alcoholism means today, it, it means that there is something wrong, very wrong. It is not like that, uh, you know, instead of coffee, like making a coffee, you are uh, drinking palinka, so you have the space to, to go to war, and you know, it's and, and you don't don't. So no, I don't think it is okay in today's society to be an alcoholic. I mean, it is okay because everyone is. <laughs> An alcoholic, uh-huh. but it, it shouldn't be that way. In some ways, it's celebrated. I mean, I've, I've found that like a lot of people in the content that I'm making, they relate to the drinking session sections a lot because it's like compelling cultural context is how we all cultural think. drinking is different. But you, when you are a lonely drinker or that's and, and a sad drinker or right. a Something depressed nice. drinker, right. I think that's a problem. Like fun drinking, I, I, I'm all for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then there's some argument to be made that maybe drinking is f- more likely to be fun in your 20s and your 30s, and then it can be habituated and used as a crutch uh, later on in your life when things might, you know, we have pretty rosy existences as millennials. Obviously, we all have our own problems, but we're still in the grand scheme of things in a nice position to be more optimistic. But you hear some stories a 60-year-old woman who's had two kids die and uh, is on welfare or something, you know, that's a lot different. Yeah, yeah. This is actually one thing about the normality thing that I was thinking about. So, like, right now we have an idea of what being a millennial is and we have ideals about what is our generational understanding. Does that change over time? Like, Now we want to explore what exactly is that ideal about our generation is because we we can see what the outside world says. So what the boomers say, what the X generation say, what babies that say. But Uh we don't really know how we actually, the generation Y, identify ourselves. And that's what we want to see, Uh how we define 
our generation and how the, we define it from a personal point of view. Huh. And perhaps how our generation defines us as well. Yeah, I think yeah. that's included. Well, I'm excited to see oh, the too. final product. <laughs> and I hope I learn, and I'm sure I'll learn a lot about my own generation and my own understanding of where I stand. Well, we definitely hope so. And also we definitely hope that we can, you know, somehow connect the Balkans to Iowa at yeah. a certain point. For episode two. Well, for me, I'm, I'm probably going to have to go on and talk about this a little more uh, next time. But I have a very close personal experience in the Balkans. I lived, actually, my first experience living in Europe was living in Sarajevo for three months in Bosnia. And that's the right. most interesting people. I, I'm sorry, I had to add... Uh, that was when I've been there, um, it was like one year ago. That was the first time in my life and I could touch the history. I don't know why, but I had the feeling I had this uh, skin. Goosebumps. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that. And, uh, and I was like, wow, so now this is history. I, I felt more when I was speaking with my uh, uh, grandparents who yeah. lived uh, through this um, 56 uh, revolution. I, so I was completely out of the world when I was in Sarajevo. I, I had that thing. Yeah, Sarajevo is a crazy place. I mean, on my street, there was a mosque, an Eastern Orthodox church, a Roman Catholic church, and a synagogue on one street. And the Jew uh, and so close. cemetery yeah, and yeah. next to each other. And, there's, and they still have this whole, I mean, we could go Everyone on. Everyone has a story about the wars. Everyone has a story that, you know, I've been uh, digging the tunnels and, uh, uh, you know, now I'm... Um, I don't know, a football trainer or whatever. But, you know, I remember when I was digging those tunnels and, and was saving children. In a way, it's, it's our, the Balkans are a connection to our past because we have a generation, the millennial generation, that has lived through what all generations used to live through uh, before the end of World War II. Every generation, I mean, there were some golden periods in there, like mid-19th century maybe. But regardless, more often than not, a generation was defined by their war experience. Yeah. Whereas for but, us, that's a little bit different, except in the Balkans, in the European context. You look yeah. at the whole world and we're still living in a little utopic, blissful dot that doesn't really have any relation to anywhere else. Yeah. So we couldn't say anything about the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've said a lot about yeah, the future. We're I'm looking kidding. forward to the future release where <laughs> many of these questions will be answered and many more questions will arise. Yeah, it's more than directly. Very sophisticated. Oh, right. exactly. Filibuster, if you will. That's basically what that just was. Well, Therese and Nausicaa and Bob Tamash, Kusunum Seipen, Kusunyuk Seipen. And, uh, and the thank you very much to <laughs> our special guest star, Whiskey Barlang Janos, who is here more in spirit and spirits than anything else. <laughs> yeah. And we will see you next week. Much love.